0: Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you this wonderful Sunday morning here this summer as we continue in our Mark series. Does anybody, um, uh, can anybody uh, agree with me that, why is it it seems like houses are scarier in the dark than during the day? Have you ever found this to be true? Some of you are like, were you at my house last night? Because I was terrified by myself. And why is it that the house gets scarier when um, you're alone? You ever notice that? Like when you're by yourself, it gets even scarier. And why is it that houses get even scarier when you hear noises in other places of the house? In the morning, you were fine during the day, but something about the night gets you a little bit more on edge. Now, in my house growing up, we had a lot of different things going on at night. And one of them was my dad getting up and going to the bathroom, pretty much throughout the night. And he tells a story one time of walking through our house, being a little bit on edge and hearing something said to him. Now imagine if you were walking through a situation where it was dark and you were by yourself and you weren't expecting anything, you couldn't see very well, and you heard a voice, it it would probably startle you too. But if you understood that my mom is also a little bit of a dog collector, you would understand how actually scary that, you see it getting a little scarier as I go. Um, How many of you um, know what it was like to live in the 1960s, back in the 1900s, any of you from that era? Well, back in the 1960s, there was a doll put out by Hasbro, and she had a name, and it was this, Little Miss No Name. Little Miss No Name. You could get her for $3.99. It says, please take me home, sigh." Little Miss No Name by Hasbro. She has no fancy clothes, but with a tear, she'll let you know she needs your love for her to grow. And three ninety nine. dollars I mean, that's a pretty good deal, but maybe not back then. But you could get this Little Miss no-name, and she was kind of the counterpart to Barbie. She don't got a Porsche or a big RV van, you know. She don't got this glamorous lifestyle. She's got sackcloth for clothes, and she's just this little, uh, cute, Little Miss no-name. Until you see her. We had her in our house. One of the most terrifying dolls I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this is Little Miss No Name. Now you can do a lot younger brothers with your older sister with a doll like this. You can do a lot. I'm just speaking hypothetically, speaking hypothetically. But, but Little Miss No Name, um, she, she, she was relatively scary. And, um, and, and uh, and uh, you know, you didn't want Little Miss No Name to ever say anything. Now, if you watch her long enough, she's gonna do so- No, that's not true. She's not gonna, if she is, let me know. I'm out of here. <laughs> but my dad, amidst all these dolls, was walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom late at night, it's dark, and he hears, I'm having an ice cream and pizza party. And he said, I about fell over because it wasn't my daughter's name and it wasn't my son's name. It was one of the dolls. Turns out, my sister had a Cabbage Patch doll that talked. They made them with the technology that these Cabbage Patch dolls could talk to each other, but the technology wasn't quite as advanced as it is today. And randomly, she'd talk. And she asked my dad at 1 a.m. for a pizza and ice cream party, you'd be scared too. (laughs) Especially if you knew Little Miss No Name was walking around the house. Creepy, it's a little unnerving. Because these things sometimes get us creeped up because of some of the things we've seen in Hollywood or in TVs and, and we're like, is this is this just Hollywood or is there like this more evil thing going on in this world sometimes? And and even if you're unchurched and you're not necessarily familiar with what the scriptures calls uh, the supernatural realm, you're a little unnerved about the shows you see of the paranormal and all these haunted houses and, and if you have a little miss no name, right? And I'm gonna put her away or none of you are gonna be able to listen to this sermon. So I'm just gonna put 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 her away from her now. You there? If that basket moves, let me know. Uh, Only kidding. I know some of the kids will be like watching it the whole service. What is going on with all this in scripture? I want to call today's sermon the other side. Because last week, we were studying about Jesus teaching about the parable of the four soils. We were talking about Jesus speaking about having faith like a mustard seed. We were listening to Jesus talk about how we are the light of the world. And he stops his sermon, didn't he? He just kind of stopped. It was as if his heavenly father tapped him on the shoulder. He stopped and he said, let us go to the other side. In fact, he said, let us get in the boat and go to the other side. The disciples climbed in the boat with him and they headed out into the Sea of Galilee and what occurred? Massive storm, massive storm to the point where the disciples were so terrified they came up to Jesus and said, don't you care, we're gonna die. And he stood up and he rebuked the wind and told the water to be still and it was and they sailed across to the other side. Do any of you know what awaits him on the other side? I'm not gonna mince words. This is not a child message per se and Renew Bible has an all ages philosophy. So I will do my best. I will do my best to understand I have listeners of all ages. But this is a message that is going to talk about the demonic realm. It's going to talk about the reality of evil in this world. And Jesus is about to come face to face with a demon who wishes to have a conversation with him. And that is what Jesus is going to find when he gets to the other side. It's the Gospel of Mark, it's chapters five, one through 20. When you do a study of scripture, this isn't necessarily a passage you pick out for a topical sermon, if you will. But when you walk through a book, you encounter passages like these. And we wish to cover it here at Renew Bible. So would you pray with me as we look into the reality of evil and what awaited Jesus on the other side and what should be the child of God's response? Should it be terror? Should it be fear? Or should there be a calm resolve? In whose name we follow. Heavenly Father, use your word today to help us consider the reality of evil in this world. There are some in the room that are very aware of this. They have been in situations that were very dark, and they've seen very dark things. There's others that are a little more naive to this and, and have something to possibly gain from this, but your scripture is very clear of the evil that exists in the supernatural realm. And so Lord, may we handle it the way the child of God should, not with fear, but definitely with respect. For although there is no counter to the name above all names, we must depend upon him for our strength in this world. And the more we stand for the truth and the more we claim the truth, the more we are a target. And so we ask for your heavenly protection from that. I ask that you remove the room from distraction so that we might hear your word. I pray that you would humble the hearts that are gathered here today and listening online so that we might receive your word. And I pray that you would motivate and inspire us today to change because we've come to this place. In Jesus' name, amen. It's Mark 5, 1 through 20. Mark is about to pick up the pace. You're gonna hear another immediately today. Scripture says this, now, they came to the other side of the sea. They survived the storm. They have came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the garrisons. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, help me out, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. If you've been a part of our study, you know that that is a man with demonic influence in his life. He lived among the tombs. Mark tells us, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, Scripture says, and he broke the shackles in pieces. Listen to this. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, Mark tells us, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. The detail is so great that it is believed by many. We are receiving eyewitnesses' accounts, as well as Mark has definitely shown throughout the gospel thus far, and he will continue to, a very real interest in things of the demonic realm. He points them out and clarifies them. And this time, he points out a man who lived among the tombs. There's a couple things that stood out to me. For this man is clearly, clearly influenced by demonic beings. Three characteristics I noticed, but let's start with the umbrella one. He lived among darkness, darkness was his abode among the tombs, in the caves, away from everyone. It seems as if there has been an attempt by the, some law enforcement of that time period and in that environment of the garrisons to lock him up. For time after time, he's broken shackles and now he's wandering among the tombs. Here's first one of three. He had unusual capabilities. Whenever a, human being, uh, uh, he, whenever a human being demonstrates unusual capabilities, there should be pause. In fact, this was something that the religious leaders used against Jesus. They said, no one can do these things unless they're from Beelzebub. We see here, he had unusual capabilities. He could not be tamed or stopped by people. No one could stop him. Then second, sudden outbursts. Did you hear what Mark said? He would scream and yell. But then he also had destructive behaviors. He cut himself. It was self-inflicted harm. When I look at the characteristics of someone who is dealing with some sort of demonic struggle, I see these things in Scripture. And it gives me pause about how much the enemy is still working today in the characteristics we see among the world struggling in isolation and difficulty. For at times it seems the enemy picks on the weak at times or the isolated at times or the lonely at times or the little miss no names who feel like no one cares. The enemy goes after him it seems. And destructive behavior so often becomes a pattern. Scripture says, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of him, you unclean spirit. It seems as if Jesus has already confronted this in the way Mark writes, and he's saying, come out. And instead of immediately coming out, a conversation has occurred. And so I wrote down in my journal a couple things that this other being, if you will, in the man spoke. One, I noticed behavior. He fell down. Child of God, I want to assure you, in the presence of Jesus, the demonic realm is in what position? On its knees. Does it bring you some solace when you think of Philippians chapter two? that every knee will bow. That tells me two things. One, every knee means, one, there will be those who voluntarily kneel before the king, kneel before Jesus' name. But there will also be those who unvoluntarily kneel. For at that name, every knee will bow. You have a picture in scripture of Philippians 2 being played out here on earth with a demon face down, fallen before Jesus. The second thing I noted was he says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For any of you who have been at Renew Bible for an extended period of time, you remember the Names of God series? In the Names of God series, we noted that there was a specific name that the demonic realm or that evil refers to God as, and that is the most high God. What is that name? What does it mean? The most high God, it was an L. It was an E-L, right? El Elyon, the most high God. The demonic realm will often refer to that. Why, Why do you think that is? Some commentators and scholars believe it's because that is the position that Lucifer longed for, to be the most high God. And his fallen angels appeal to Jesus with that title. But it's interesting, it says, "What have you to do with me?" Keep in mind, child of God, when a demon is before Jesus, it is not in control, it is at the mercy of whatever Jesus chooses to do. But then third, I noted this: "I adjure you by God." It, 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 isn't it almost sound biblical? This demons almost speaking in a way that sounds, "I adjure you by God." That feels like something I'd read in Scripture. And make no mistake, the demonic realm knows the scriptures, for it knows where it's headed and its reality. And I believe that's what this demon is referring to when it says, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. It seems as if this demon inside this man in garrison is afraid it will be sent to its torment early, for scripture says that a lake of fire has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And it begs by God, which also gives me pause, which means this demon knows that Jesus will only do on earth what his heavenly father permits him to. If the enemy knows the word of God and how God works that well, how much more should I? But a summary of that whole experience I wrote down a very great thing that I want to know as a child of God and especially if you're ever tempted to be scared of the demonic realm, I want you to know this. When it comes to a demon and Jesus, the demon trembles in terror, trembles in terror. In fact, James tells me, you believe that there's a God? Good, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. See, there's a very big difference between believing something and having faith in something. The demons believe in Jesus. They've got the head knowledge, but there's no heart. (laughs) And they shudder. They shudder at that name. Child of God, if you're ever concerned, you are amongst evil. The name of Jesus is a powerful name. It's a wonderful name. It's a beautiful name. The conversation continues. Jesus asks a question. Do you remember what it was? What is your name? What is your name? And it seems as if the man is no longer allowed to talk, for look what is said. My name is Legion, for we are many. My name is Legion, for we are many many. Who is this legion? What is this legion? What is going on here? The name is legion? Now I want us to step back for a minute and hop over into seminary for just a second. What would legion mean during that time period? Legion would be spoken of of the Roman military. The Roman military gathered and organized themselves in legions. How many were in a legion? Up to 1,000 to 2,000 to even 6,000. Within the legions, there were centurions who led smaller cohorts. In fact, it was a Roman cohort that came to arrest Jesus with Judas. Those cohorts could be up to 600 men in this centurion, but they were in rank underneath a higher authority and part of the legions of the Roman military. When Jesus hears, we are legion, he might as well have heard we are thousands. We are thousands. Jesus references legion in speaking of the Holy realm of angels, not demonic realm. When Peter goes and cuts off the ear of a soldier and he says, Stop, do you not know that I could call down legions of angels to do my bidding? When you understand a little bit more about angels, you understand a little bit more about demons. In seminary, they refer to this as a study of something, so it's anology. Angiology, and demonology. Let's jump into a second just to give us a little more understanding of the angelic realm. They're often referred to as stars. In fact, in Psalm 148, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his hosts, a militant term, hosts, speaking to its organization. Praise him, sun and moon, praise him, all you shining stars. So we see in the angelic realm often referred to as stars. But you also see in scripture, they have rank. Look at some of the ranks of angels. There's holy angels, which is the realm of angels. There's cherubim. You know them. They're guardians. They stand posts. What was outside of the Garden of Eden? Two cherubim were standing a post. Seraphim, do you know what the word means? Seraphim means fiery okay? Emotional, passionate, fiery. The seraphim are known for their song. It's only three words. You could probably memorize it. Do you know what they are? Holy, holy, holy. They cry day and night. Holy, holy, holy. We see the seraphim in Revelation chapters four and five. And then there's these chief princes. They seem to have a higher level, even often referred to as archangels. One of those chief princes we see is Gabriel, and he often does God's bidding and goes and shares messages with humans. The archangel has a name as well, anyone know it? It's Michael, and Michael the archangel is the one who will take on the dragon as we get to the end of Revelation. And we see Michael have a tremendous respect for evil, for he will one day fight the dragon but we see these archangels of time. Well, what do they do? What do they do? Well, Scripture speaks to about four things they do. One, starting at the bottom, they're messengers. In fact, we hear them say things like, I bring you good tidings. And they often speak loud. I don't know if that means the music in heaven is really loud and they can't hear. No, I don't think that's it. But they speak loud because human beings are always like, wow, what a loud voice. They're soldiers. They carry out his bidding, Psalm Psalm 103. Sometimes you have this idea based on world and media that angels are these little chubby cherubs in diapers playing a harp. No, 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 no. No, they're soldiers in order. There's legions of them. There's myriads even of them, of glorifiers in Revelation 5. And they're ministering spirits sent to serve the children of God. But they also serve Jesus on earth. Can you remember one specifically? After his temptation and in the garden of Gethsemane, they came and ministered to him. And so when you see how the angelic realm is put together, often militant in its description, organized in categories and doing bidding, it stands to reason that the demonic realm is very similar. And that is why when you look at the demonic realm, you see also some rank, there's the evil angels or a third of the stars that were swept away when Lucifer fell. There's the rulers of darkness, the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6:12, we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities, rulers of darkness. There are some demons that are currently tormented. A key was given to open the shaft of the bottomless pit. In Revelation 9, it's opened up. I have a feeling that this legion does not wish to go there ahead of time. And then there are those Jude six says that are chained. They were so maniacal, so crazy, they left their proper abode. Scripture seems to point that some might have even intermingled with human beings and they are kept in chains until the day of judgment. Some will be allowed to roam the earth during the tribulation scripture speaks of. What's their goal? Suppress the truth. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, 2 Corinthians 4.4. They desire to spread lies. You belong to the father of lies. If there's a, a dad producing children of liars, he is that. That is the idea behind that name. Satan is the father of lies. They wish to invoke evil. Has Satan filled your heart to lie? And they desire to promote strife. James tells us a bitter, angry, envious heart is earthly, sensual. But look at the word he adds, devilish. That makes me coil back a little bit from any time I wanna possibly harbor some envy against someone. That makes me coil back a little bit anytime I want to be I have an unforgiving spirit or harbor bitterness, especially to another child of God. That makes me back up a little bit because when I see how the enemy works, I can see that's what his desire is. And he has three main goals. Anybody know what they are? Kill, steal, and destroy I grew up in the 80s. I, I joked that it was the greatest era to be a kid, okay? We had space shuttles flying. We had incredible hawks on Friday nights. We had just awesome life, okay? But there was a popular thing going around when I was around that age. You would hear people sometimes say, hey, I wanna go to hell, that's where the party's at. Young people, just in case that idea of rebelling against the things of God seems cool like you're on the side that goes against all the God stuff. I want I want I want you to understand something that scripture says about Satan, okay? He hates you. He's not excited you're on his team. He's not thrilled. He hates you. And his goal for you is to kill, steal everything at God and destroy any hope of your future. That's his goal. You're not on a squad. And your heavenly father loves you so much, he sent Jesus Christ to offer you another path from this liar and killer and stealer. The devil hates every single one of you in this room and on that camera. Not just the children of God. Every single one in this room. But God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish like the devil will. And He knows it. And in my opinion, you can see His time is running short. He has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus has come that you might have life and have life to the full. Child of God, you don't choose to not sin because it wrecks your life and it's so boring and I just want to do cool stuff and all this Bible's always telling, no, no, no. It's to stay away from the effects of evil that destroy lives and especially pray on those little mess no names out there. They're living in isolation that thinks no one cares if they're alive, that can sit in a room this size and feel totally alone. If it's resonating with you today, whether you're a college student, whether you're all by yourself in your senior years, or whether you're just a young kid and it feels like no one knows, you remember this. The devil hates you, but Jesus loves you. And he's gonna prove it In just this illustration, how? Watch. The demon began to speak and he begged, he begged him earnestly, don't send us out of this country. Note something, the demonic realm is incredibly territorial. Dominions carry the idea of territory and what are militant people like? They are territorial. They seek to take ground back and they seek to take control. It seems that Garrison and this demoniac from Garrison has control of this area. And this legion that is living inside him has control in this area. And they're saying, don't send us out of this country. And now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged Jesus saying, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The pigs and the herd numbering about 2000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea and some are in here going all oh, the pigs I understand that I watched Charlotte's web but we see throughout scripture at times animal sacrifice occurred for the salvation of people from the time of the plagues to the sacrifices on the altar for this man to receive salvation, it seems like those pigs have done this area a great service and have taken these demons into the water. The herdsmen fled and they told, they told it in the city and in the country and the people came to see what had happened. Scripture continues and it says that they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. This story just got a little bit darker. Now knowing that this man is running around naked, cutting himself, screaming. How terrifying for this region. But now he's sitting there clothed next to Jesus. And the people came and they see him and he's in his right mind. And they were afraid. They're afraid of all of this going on. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which is those 10 cities in that area, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This is a picture of what some believe is the approximate area where some of this happened, where this garrison demoniac roamed the tombs Have any of you, when you listen to that story, go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did Jesus tell him to go share? He told the blind man, don't tell anybody. And then he told the other guy, don't say this to anybody. And of course they didn't listen, but Jesus was saying, don't say that. And he was saying that while he was on the other side. For the one side was where the predominant Jews were. And that message would send the Judaizers into a rage and his time had not yet come. But traveling to the other side, that was Gentile territory. That was around the cities of the Decapolis as well as garrison. And in that area, Jesus wanted the man to proclaim. And he went from the garrison demoniac to the garrison evangelist. He went from I am legion to I am a child of God. And he shared. And I don't know about you, but being a Gentile myself, not being from Jewish descent, I am pretty glad that message began. And I'm also glad the the apostle Paul took it to a whole nother level. Only a year or two or three later. But I can't think about the love of my savior and the good, good father that in the middle of teaching these massive crowds on the side of the sea, he tapped Jesus on the shoulder, if you will, and said, there's someone on the other side. Mr. No Name, if you will. And it's time to go to him. Jesus would come across the water, face the storms and trials and tribulations of the Sea of Galilee, For one person? You see, it's not really about, it's not really about, anybody watching today online, it's not really about whether people know your name. It's whether he knows your name, amen? Oh, many will say, I knew you. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. I am defined by my Savior. I'm a child of God. Because Jesus, in his great mercy, is willing to come after even sinners. And and his love comes running after me. For while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. If you're here today and you think you're too dirty or you're too disgusting or you're too terrible for Jesus and you're like the girl with the terrible dress and and it brings a heart, you remember something, that Jesus crossed the waters for something I would be scared to go talk to and faced it and changed an entire region. Oh, but if I could talk to those kids out there who are dabbling in evil, I'd have a message about spiritual warfare. Many of you might not be familiar with it, but when you're in ministry circles, you see and hear of it much more. I was a camp director in my college years, and I had a chance to speak to a couple other camp directors, and sometimes we'd share stories about stuff we were seeing that was in, well, let's be honest, freaking us out. And we would share, and one gentleman shared, he said, I'm gonna tell you something that happened in one of our camps. I was walking towards the cabins and I saw these shadowy figures going running by into one of the girls' cabins. And I'm like, oh, good grief, the guys escaped their cabins again and they're going to torment the girls. And he started to hustle up, but that's when he stopped and saw the counselor running towards him and said, you need to come quick. We don't know her name, but there's a girl in there And she's screaming and yelling. And people are trying to hold her back from hurting herself. And she's throwing them off of them. She has incredible strength. You need to get there. And they called the camp pastor. They got other people People started to gather around. And the teenagers that were in that room that saw this young lady, they were getting so scared. They they ushered them into the other cabins. And they went into the other cabins. They didn't want to understand what's going on. And the camp pastors and the other pastors, they tried to start talking to her and she wasn't really responding. In fact, she was convulsing. It seemed like somebody was completely out of control. And when she would look at them, she would at times speak in a voice that was far into her own. And what truly bothered her was when they prayed, but what made her angry is what she was hearing. You see, the nervous and scared teenagers who went other to the other cabins, they began to sing. They gathered around, they were praying, and they began to sing. And the girl could hear it. And whatever was uh, focusing and influencing the girl, it was bothering her what they were singing. And what they were singing, they were sitting around going, our God is an awesome God, he reigns. Do you know the song? And they kept singing it. Our God is an awesome God, he reigns from heaven. And the girl said, tell them to stop. Tell them to stop singing. And one of the girls who heard her saying, tell them to stop in a foreign voice, ran the other side. And you know what she said to the rest of the teens? Sing louder. And they sang louder and louder and louder. So that girl, she kind of passed out. She came back too. She came to know Jesus Christ as her savior that week. It seems that she had came from a ton of witchcraft in her family and that being in a spiritual environment was bothering all that stuff that she had in her past and God changed her that day from someone everyone was terrified of to someone God was using to change an entire region. There's five things I would coach anybody who is younger and they feel like They're nobody, or maybe you're older and you're struggling with that and you can really, really somehow understand that and understand this symbol here, if you will. Five things I want you to know about spiritual warfare. Watch for this. I want you to avoid Evil, don't get as close as you can. Don't dabble, don't even check it out. Avoid it. Scripture says this, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. The enemy begins with the mind. He wants you thinking evil thoughts. And if you're hearing voices that are saying you're horrible, you're stupid, you're dumb, I can assure you that's not from God. God. Be infants in evil. Parents, one of your goals is that the kids remain infants in evil. Oh, they know about evil. They're not negligent. And they're not stupid. They get it and they respect it, but they don't mess with it. Second, can I encourage the little miss no name? Resist temptation. How do you do that? By submitting yourselves to God, resist the devil, he will flee. He will flee, resist, stand firm, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you feel like you're around darkness, draw near to God, you will be shocked at what God can do simply by walking outside of a dark room and being out in God's creation, resist temptation. Third, can I encourage you, release bitterness. Oh, it's one of the ways that the devil gets a foothold in a life. The child of God, I do not believe, can be possessed for they have the Holy Spirit who has taken up residence and sealed that home. We can be influenced at times, especially by our environments. And therefore, do not let the sun go down in your wrath and do not give the devil a foothold. He leverages envy, he leverages bitterness, he leverages jealousy. Don't let the devil win. Refuse substances. We are seeing an epidemic. We deal with this at revivals all the time. Philadelphia, in fact, is one of the number one cities in the world for fentanyl and other drugs that are just destroying lives. In fact, at times it's called something like the zombie drug for it. it takes limbs and makes them fall apart. People walk around with them. Bucks County being right up against it, is struggling with this and substances are destroying, destroying lives, not only in the streets, but in homes, even in our town. Scripture says, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Kids, he don't show up and go, roar, okay? It's symbolic of saying he will use things to chain you, just like he did that demoniac. Release, resist, refuse, and reject. Reject labels. One of the things the world will always try to do is label you. It wants to label you by your sin or by your choices or by your preferences. That's what the world tries to do. And therefore you can't ever have victory for you're known by your failure or your life that is in against the things of God. And that's what the enemy wants to define you and steal your identity by giving you worldly titles instead of the title that everyone goes off, not something they've done, but something he's done, child of God, scripture you're little children, you're from God and you've overcome, walk like a winner for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There's another side to that young girl. Sometimes only a mom knows it or only a dad knows it. But when evil and darkness get a hold of a life, it's like it sucks the living joy out of them, control out of them. And you see this beautiful spirit that is no longer allowed to smile or to see. God says, I've come to bring that back. Let us go to the other side. You say, how? I've got myself caught in some crazy things. I got two ways. The first one's prayer and the second one's praise. You say, that's not very hard to memorize. No, it's not. Spiritual warfare is done and won through prayer and praise. It was Papua New Guinea. What was continuing to shouted in the streets that day was Timum Kristaki, Timum Kristaki, Timum Kristaki." One of the missionaries of our church went to Papua New Guinea. He was praying on top of a building because he saw in the streets people going to this witch doctor that was using evil to produce his spells and different things on people. And he thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pray some spiritual warfare prayers. And he began to pray on top of the house, overlooking into the streets what was going on, because he saw the darkness and how the territory had been taken over by evil. And he just thought, I'm a child of God. I'm gonna pray. And all of a sudden in the streets, there was Tamun Kestaki, to Jesum Tamun. And he said to the missionary, what are they saying? Because his Portuguese was still growing. And they're saying, they're saying there is a Christian here there is a Christian here. He thought there's a Christian, I'm the Christian here. He thought I get a little lower as I pray, because I am making an impact. You can post all you want, you can scream and shout all you want. If you wanna really be a weapon for God, pray. And those prayers aren't, God, help me to have a good day. They're deeper than that. They're based on a knowledge of scripture when it comes to spiritual warfare and when I encounter it, I often apply what I call spiritual warfare CPR. C stands for something, P stands for something, R stands for something. He say, Chris, why do you brand everything? Because I forget everything, so I need reminders. Here's C, confront. I write these down, I have them in my journal, and I read them out loud. The devil is not God. He cannot hear my prayers in my head. God is only the one that's omniscient, okay? So I speak them out loud. And when I sense evil, I prayed these prayers in my house when I bought it years ago. I prayed these prayers in different rooms in this church. When we purchase campuses, we go through and I apply some of these CPRs. I will drive in a car around a property and pray these prayers because I believe that there is a spiritual realm, there is an evil spiritual realm, and I believe as a child of God, I make a weapon out of my prayer life. I'm gonna read them, a couple of them to you. Here, C, confront. I'm calling on El Gabor, the battle god, my mighty God. Wage war with all principalities in this moment for me. Confront all demonic agendas, prevent them from succeeding, intervene with power against all resistance, and bind all supernatural foes in the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Amen. amen. P, protect. I read it out loud. I'm calling on Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of angel armies. Protect my life, my family, my church, and everyone at, and I say the address I'm standing in. Everyone at this address with your ministering angels, in Jesus' name, may you order an angelic command to stand guard at the entrance of this place. Counter any demonic plot, plan, or weapon formed against us with your angelic protection. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I have prayed these prayers over the buildings and the rooms you're sitting in right now. We have a prayer partners team that takes nothing that's done here on Sunday morning for granted, but are currently right now praying. And I review with them some of the prayers I'd like them praying over this service because I knew we were poking the bear, if you will. And although Jesus makes demons tremble, I don't think I do that much unless I pray. (laughs) R, reclaim I'm calling on Elon, the most high God. Remove any footholds that I have been harboring in my thinking, permitted by my actions, or have been brought here by others. In the name above all names, Jesus, I reclaim any territory that has been given over in my or their life in this room or in this home. I renounce all evil in this place and I demand it leaves now in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. You believe there's a God? good. Even the demons believe and shudder. So therefore, I don't call on anything in my own strength. I call on Jesus' name. May nothing ever be done at Renew Bible, Revivals, or any of our ministries without anyone saying, look what Jesus did. Look what prayer did. Amen? And then the second is praise. Praise! Anybody know this little boy's story, Willie Myrick? Does anybody know this story? Willie Myrick was playing outside of his home all by himself. And and Willie Myrick was kidnapped and thrown in the back of a car. Every, Every parent's absolute horror. He was thrown in the back of the car and he was being driven away from his home. He said, I got tussled into the car. And the little boy was a church boy and he loved to sing. And you know what the Lord prompted him to do? He prompted him to sing the song, Every Praise. And he began to sing that song in the back of the car of his kidnapper. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship. And he kept singing it. Church, he sang it for three hours. The man told him to shut his mouth over it. Oh, stop singing, shut your mouth. Every praise is to our God. Every praise. After three hours, he pulled the car over, opened the door, and said, "Get out of here." And the kid was freed. That song has since obviously gone viral—over a hundred million views on Vine. This singer got a bunch of church members together and they did like a little bit of a flash mob in the town and they sang the song, Every Praise. It it was an unbelievable thing. It was funny to even see some of the reactions of the people that were seeing this. Obviously, some knew what was about to happen and were part of that, but others were a little surprised, it seems, when you watch the video. But this song, Every Praise, I just want you to picture it being sung over and over and over in the back of the car in fact I thought why don't we listen to it for just about a minute to just hear what that little boy was singing because singing is not just something we do to God it is a weapon against the enemy if you are trying to scare somebody and you are yelling at them and they're going every praise is to it's almost a mockery to your strength let's hear this Every praise
1: is to our God, God. every word of worship, worship. with one accord, accord. every praise, every praise praise. is to our God, God. come on everybody, sing hallelujah hallelujah. to our God. Praise. every praise. Say every every praise. to our God. you know how we do it. Take it up. Every praise.
0: Now it's picture this in God. the back of a car. Every, every praise worship. is to our God. In one accord. Everywhere worship in one accord. He had learned it at church, every he said, and he just kept singing God. it and singing it. You've been listening to, to about forty to seconds. And it just pouring through the car do our of his kidnapper. Glory,
1: hallelujah, it's do our God. My deliverer yes he is yes he is every praise every praise is to our god
0: prayer and praise You might find yourself in a dark spot. Maybe you're listening online because somebody left this auditorium today and shared this message with you. I wanna pray for anybody that you might know or we might know. I wanna pray that the enemy would not be allowed to have their way. Maybe you know a little miss no name or a little mister no name. And this message has prompted you to pray for them because you've seen the chains of darkness kind of gripping what was once a joyful soul. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God. You reign from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. And when the demons confront you, they fall and tremble. That's the Jesus we serve. If the God of this world has blinded people's eyes to the joy that is found in Jesus Christ, he has convinced some really neat people that we know even, that there is a way that is better than what Jesus offers. And it's leading them into bondage They're walking right into a trap. I pray in the name of El Gabor, in the name of Elielan, in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth, that you would reclaim territory, not only in this church, but in our homes and in our communities for you. And we know the more we pray that, the more the target is on us. And therefore we need you, Jesus. We need you to strengthen us and encourage us because we're weak in our own strength. Oh, but prayer and praise is a powerful weapon. And may they be two hallmarks of Renew Bible. We pray this in Jesus' name. And would you close with me? Help me out, don't let me sing it alone. Our God is an awesome God he reigns. From heaven above with with dumb power and love our God isn't awesome. One more time. Our God is an awesome God he raised from heaven above with. Amen.